Another pause in the fighting has been announced today between Israel and Hamas. CBS military consultant Jeff McCausland joins us with the latest info on that. Jeff, good morning. We've, we've seen a couple days in a row now where they've announced temporary ceasefires that have held up for about a day or so. Is, is this a pattern that's likely to continue or could we see another more long term negotiation in the coming days? I think we're just going to see it day by day at this particular point, Diana. Certainly, we have one additional day, so far at least, of reports that up to 97 Israelis and foreign nationals who were held hostages as hostages have been released, and about 210 Palestinians who were held in detention or as uh, outright uh, prisoners have been released. Now, the United States is trying to broker, along with Qatar, Egypt, and others, an extension, and we've got one more day. The challenge is we're coming down to two problems. One is the number of if you will, very likely hostages to relief, women and children, elderly, et cetera. Most of them have now been released. And now we're down to those who are military-age males, several dozen Israeli soldiers. And obviously the exchange rate between us, uh, Israel, and Hamas in terms of how many prisoners and who those prisoners are will become a much more difficult negotiation. Hamas will likely insist either on more Palestinians to be released or some very significant people held in Israeli jails who are former leaders of Hamas being released for those particular exchanges. <clears throat> in addition to that, uh, the more conservative members of Mr. Netanyahu's cabinet have been insisting that the war needs to commence and even threatened if the war does not recommence, that they will in fact pull out of the coalition. This could actually threaten the stability of the Netanyahu government in the middle of this particular conflict. Yikes. And this comes as well as we hear reports this morning of additional violence uh, near the city or in the city of Jerusalem as well. Do we do we know any additional details about that other than uh, a shooting did occur? The only thing we seem to know about that, Deanna, is apparently it was a lone wolf or two shooters. You're right, right in downtown Jerusalem. Uh, apparently up to three people were killed in this particular fighting. I think it you know, again underscores the fact that this war has a wider context. You focus on the war in the Gaza Strip. But really, there's a conflict going on on the West Bank. Now, since this conflict began, over 200 Palestinians have been killed in fighting on the West Bank, either with the IDF or Israeli settlers attacking Palestinians on the West Bank. Over 2,000 additional Palestinians have been arrested or detained on the West Bank. So we've got you know violence that could spring even much wider on the West Bank. At the same time, while this pause has been going on between uh, Israel and Hamas, We've also seen a pause by Hezbollah in southern Lebanon, which has ceased their artillery, rocket, and mortar fire against northern Israel. We see a cessation, at least temporarily, of the attacks on U.S. military forces, which had reached over 70 in Iraq and Syria. Now, these are Shiite militia groups supported by Iran, and those things have dampened down, reducing the possibility of escalation. But if we go back to a full-scale war, which seems very possible, then the question is, could these things escalate on the West Bank? Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, and we see a wider conflict. Right. And and speaking of wider conflicts, it's my understanding that U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken was recently at a conference to try and shore up more support for the Ukraine and Russia conflict. Still ongoing, but we haven't really heard a lot of news on that front recently. What's going on up there? Well, he was at the conference of foreign ministers of NATO, <clears throat> all of them underscoring their support for uh, Ukraine, but obviously a concern that there is some wavering uh, in Europe as well as in the United States. And all eyes, in many ways, I would say, are focused on what happens in Washington. That's the next big decision about the war in Ukraine. Will, in fact, the United States Congress uh, bring to the floor a bill to vote for additional military aid for Ukraine? The president has proposed a bill of somewhere in excess of $100 billion. 
About $60 billion of that military aid would go to Ukraine. About 14 or $15 billion would go to Taiwan. There would be a significant amount of money also devoted to enhanced border security for the United States and additional funding for Taiwan. But so far, at least, <clears throat> the Speaker of the House, Mr. Johnson, has refused to bring that to the floor for a vote. I think, quite frankly, that if it was brought to a vote, it would pass with moderate Republicans and a large number of Democrats. But he's concerned about members of the very right in his party who are very opposed to this and how that might affect him as a, as a speaker only for a few weeks. It's odd because if you look in the United States Senate, Republicans in the Senate, I think, would vote overwhelmingly for this particular package. Mitch McConnell, the senior Republican and minority leader in the United States Senate, one of the most outspoken uh, supporters uh, of military assistance uh, to Ukraine. On the battlefield, we see the Russians expanding their attacks against the infrastructure, energy infrastructure in Ukraine, trying to bring on, I think, a, a colder winter in Ukraine than they've suffered in the past even. And we see heavy fighting still ongoing in places like Bakhmut and a place called Abdiska uh, in the Donbass region, and reports that the Russians now have suffered perhaps in excess of 320,000 casualties, perhaps 120,000 killed in action. And the fighting there has been so intensive, some have said the number of Russian casualties have been in excess of 900 every single day, some of the most intensive fighting since this war actually began. There we go. CBS military analyst Jeff Coslin joining us this morning. Jeff, thank you so much. My pleasure.